everyone, my name is Philippe and this is the podcast Life with AI, the podcast that we talk about artificial intelligence in a simpler way. And for today's episode, I'm going to talk about active learning for anomaly detection. And first of all, what is an anomaly? You can think of an anomaly as, well, a data point or a set of data points that follow away of the pattern of the data. So, and of course, the most simple case of anomaly detection of anomaly is fraud, because a fraud is an anomaly. Imagine like uh, fraud transactions in a credit card. You have 99 or 99.9% of your data, of your transactions. There are legitimate transactions, like normal ones. But you have 1% of, or 0.1% there are frauds of people that had their credit card stolen or cloned, I don't know. And well, these transactions are frauds. So as they are only 1% or 0.1%, they can be considered as an anomaly because it follows away of the pattern of the data and it's just a small amount of the data. So this is an anomaly. We have a lot of types of, uh, of anomalies, but in this episode, I will talk, I will focus on the fraud detection one because I worked with fraud detection and now I'm working on my job with fraud detection. So this is a subject that I like. There are a lot of stuff to do on it. And okay, so we'll focus on fraud detection, but we have many other cases, many other possibilities of anomaly detection, not only fraud detection. So what's the first thing that we need to start this fraud detection problem? So the first thing is a data set with the frauds. And we have two ways of achieving this data set. The first way and the easiest and better one is to have a user feedback. So coming back from the, the example of credit card transactions, every time you have your card stolen or cloned, I don't know, and someone use it to purchase something, you immediately tell the credit card or tell your bank to, to cancel this transaction. So they will know that this transaction was a fraud, but this is not always the case. Because imagine the, like my problem of uh, fraud detection in the financial market. In my case, I didn't have uh, the labels. I didn't have all the data labeled. So I had to do a manual annotation. And well, maybe my case is not the best because you always need to make the manual annotation with an expert, always with the help of an expert. In my case, I didn't because I didn't have the expert to help me. So what I did was to really go deep into the literature and into past cases from different agencies to understand the patterns, to like become an expert. And I'm saying become with a lot of commas because I was not an expert, but I tried my best. So if you are in the domain, like if you work on industry of like healthcare, that is what I do, you will for sure And it's actually what we do as data scientists. We don't decide what is a fraud or not. We understand some possibly some possible fraudulent patterns and we talk with experts so they can confirm or say, oh, no, this is normal in our domain because we know data science. We know how to manipulate data and write code and they know what is a fraud in healthcare. So working together, working a data scientist with an expert you can be a good team and detect a lot of frauds. That's what we do in, in Cantef. Well, so the biggest problem of doing this manual annotation is the size of the data. Like how many data points need to be annotated? 
you you go from a data set that doesn't have anything annotated and you need to see what are the frauds. So imagine that you have a data set of 1 million data points. You analyze with your expert manually all the 1 million data points. This is impossible. So what people normally do, and of course, uh, the, the simplest way of doing it is to create a filter. This is the traditional strategy. You will create some filters of possible fraud cases and the cases that are like in this filter, in these possibilities that you created, you will manually, like the expert will manually analyze it. Like this approach is already much better than just analyze your whole data because you can filter like only 10% of five or 5% of the data, it depends on your filters. But like, don't we have anything better to do than these filters? And the answer of course is yes, otherwise I wouldn't make this episode. So the answer now is active learning. What is active learning? It's a new learning strategy, a new approach that you're gonna active learn from the feedback of the expert. So in this case, as I said, we don't have the labels. So what we're gonna do is that we're gonna ask some questions for the expert as it was the label, because actually the expert is the label because he knows anything. So we're gonna ask him the questions and from his questions, the algorithm gonna learn. So let's understand how does it work in practice. First of all, we have a non-supervised network. Why do we have a non-supervised network? Because in the beginning, we don't have data. We could like just start asking for the, the, the expert uh, what he thinks about some data points. But as we have like 99.9% .9 of our data as non-fraudulent data and 0.1% of fraudulent data, the probability that we're gonna give just uh, non-fraudulent points is really high. So what we do first is that we use a non-supervised approach to understand the patterns of the data. And just to say how we do it, we use normally an encoder-decoder architecture. We're gonna encode the information into the latent space, and then we're gonna decode this information and the, the training loss, like the training strategy, is to recreate the, the data. So we're gonna recreate the data from this latent space that is the information, the whole information encoded. And what do we want with this latent space is that the non-fraudulent data points be all together in the space and the fraudulent data points be far away from these non-fraudulent ones. This is the final goal. If we have it, we have a really good algorithm. And our goal is from the active part, that is the next part, we're gonna help the algorithm to understand the, these different patterns, like the fraudulent one and the non-fraudulent one. Okay, so first of all, we have this non-supervised network that's gonna understand and train to understand the patterns of the data. Then, after some iterations, some epochs, we're gonna use the expert knowledge. After we know a little bit the patterns of the data, the network will guess what does it think that is the most probably uh, fraudulent cases after like a hundred iterations of training? So the network will ask the opinion of the expert and the expert gonna analyze manually all these data points and give his feedback. The network gonna learn from this feedback and then after it, we hope that the network will understand better the patterns of the fraud based on the feedback 
of the expert and give better data points to the, to the expert to analyze. So how does it look like? It looks like a supervised training. So the expert is the supervised part of the training. And this is the point. And what's the point in general is to decrease the number of cases that the, the expert gonna analyze. Imagine that like the first approach analyzing everything is 1 million data points. The second approach using the filter, we have just 5% of the data to be analyzed, but actually you have 0.1% of frauds. So with this approach of active learning, the, there are some studies showing that we can decrease a lot. I will not say the percentage because it's going to change for each case, but it can decrease a lot from just a normal filtering strategy. So this is really nice. And, and just to say there are some new, some other versions of this network because the traditional version, we just use the non-supervised learning approach to understand the patterns of the data and the active part of the network to receive the feedback from this expert. But in some versions, we have a new layer that is the supervised layer of this network. Because after we have the feedback of, of the expert, we already have some labeled data. In the beginning, we have like just 10 data points. But after some iterations, we're going to have like 100, 200, 1000 data points. And from these new data points, we can learn in a supervised way and not just learn from the feedback or from the non-supervised way. We can include this new layer of learning in, in the algorithm. And they show that this can help also a little bit to improve the results. And in this case, just to recapitulate, the improve the results is give to the expert less data points to annotate. The perfect case is that if we have 0.1% data, we will give to the expert 0.1% data to be annotated. And in, imagine in this perfect case, all the time we're going to give 10 data points and the 10 data points will be frauds. And in one moment, we'll give 10 data points and the expert will say, these 10 data points are not frauds. What does it mean? That the fraud case in our data set is finished and we have a, an annotated data set. This is our final goal. And after having this annotated data set, we can just train whatever we want as model. And a good model to train for fraud detection is tree-based models like XGBoost, LightGBM, CatBoost, HandleForest, because they work really well for imbalanced data. So just like a tip for you, if you work with, uh, with fraud detection. And I also know some people that work on different industries and they also use, mainly everybody use XGBoost for fraud detection. It works really well. And well, so I would advise you to at least test and like do some hyperparameter optimizing in XGBoost. So to finish the episode, just to recapitulate everything, the goal here is that the network will first learn by a non-supervised approach to understand the patterns of the data. And then it's going to learn in an active approach to receive the feedback of the data and understand what the expert consider as fraud or not. And in the goal, the goal in the end is that the, the expert will annotate, will see less data uh, than if he, we just use a filter approach. So it's not a metric of how many data points the algorithm is guessing right. Of course, this is also important, but the goal is to decrease the spend time of the expert to annotate your data. This is the metric that we want to optimize. And there are some studies showing that the, use this active learning approach 
is much better than use just a filter. So maybe if you are working on the fraud in a fraud detection problem and you are in the data set creation step, uh, you should at least consider using active learn. And well, I didn't use active learn because in the time that I was doing my research, my, my project, I almost didn't know anything about AI. <laughs> active learning, I didn't even know that this could exist. Even neural networks, I didn't know anything about it. So I did everything manually, but I'm sure that if I used this method, it would be much better and I would spend much less time <laughs> doing the manual notation that took a, a long time for me because I had to annotate a lot of data. Well, that's it for, for today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, don't forget to follow the podcast on social media. On Instagram, we are podcast.lifewithai and on LinkedIn, it's just lifewithai. If you can also give five stars on the podcast player that you listen to me, it's going to be really nice. And until next Thursday, guys, goodbye.